0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, I'm Matt, if you don't know me, one of the pastors here at Liberty Church, and that was my wonderful wife giving us some really excellent prayer tips there. Um, particularly warm welcome to you if this is your first time uh, tuning in to one of our services or you are new to this experience. Um, we've not met together publicly for a while now, so there might be quite a few of you who've never actually been able to be in this building uh, and worship with us, but we're really Glad that you found us. Maybe someone sent you the link online or you stumbled across us on YouTube or some other way. Um, we really hope that uh, what you see today will serve you and that God will speak to you and do good to you. And uh, one thing I wanted to do before we get started on the passage today, which is in the book of Colossians, I just wanted to recommend a book quickly to you guys. It's called uh, Confronting Christianity. 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion by Rebecca McLaughlin. Uh, And it's a really helpful book which just unpacks, as the title says, some of the questions that maybe you have or maybe your friends might have about Christianity and gives some really helpful biblical answers to what the Bible actually says about those things. So some of the questions are things like... um, Hasn't science disproved Christianity? Um, Doesn't Christianity denigrate women? Isn't Christianity homophobic? Those are some of the questions that this book looks at and answers in a really wonderful way. So I'd encourage you to get yourself a copy of it. Uh, You can probably find it on Kindle or you can buy it on Amazon or Bowl, and it will equip you if you've got your own questions or your You've got friends and relatives who've got questions about the Christian faith. It's a wonderful book that I would heartily recommend. I'm going to hand it to Dan. Thanks, my friend. Uh, And if you have a Bible with you, if you want to um, uh, turn to the book of Colossians, uh, if you don't have one, you could probably Google on your phone and find the scripture on there as well. Uh, We're working through a series at the start of this year, um, looking at some, I guess you could call them like lockdown prayers, As we're in this lockdown here uh, in Amsterdam, we're going to look at some some of the ways we see prayer take place, particularly with the Apostle Paul, some of the ways that he prays in the Bible, and how those prayers can serve us and do us good. And we're going to look at a prayer today from the end of the book of Colossians, which is a letter that Paul wrote to uh, the Colossian church. And it's a really fascinating book because when Paul wrote it, he was actually in prison himself. He was in his own personal lockdown, Um, so it has some relevance to us and what we're going through right now. So I'm going to read a couple of verses from the end of that book from chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. It says this, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Let me pray. Jesus, we... Thank you, as we've already been talking about this morning, that you are a God who's chosen to reveal yourself to us. You're not a distant, faraway, uh, mythical being somewhere out in a distant space or in our imagination, but you're real. And you've chosen to make yourself known to us, you've chosen to speak to us, your people. Primarily, you do that through your word, through this book. You speak to us. You shape our hearts. And you remind us of your immense love toward us. And I pray as we look at this passage today, that you would speak to us. Just as Gavin and Robin were talking about, that we would hear your voice right in the depths of our being today. We would know your encouragement and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Here in this passage, we find the Apostle Paul, he's not so much praying, I guess, but it's, in a sense, a bit of a prayer request, and even though Paul is in prison, he doesn't stop on his, his mission, his, his calling, what he feels god has laid on his heart for him to do with his life and that's an important question to reflect on is what is our our mission our calling even as a church what's our vision and often when people ask me that what is the vision of liberty church i'll give them a pretty hopefully a pretty simple answer and i'll say well the clue is in the name we're liberty church amsterdam that in a city that's searching for freedom, where many people have even moved here or have started their life here looking for liberty of their soul, wanting to be whoever they want to be, to do whatever they want to do, we believe that true liberty, real freedom, is found only in Jesus Christ, In, in submitting your heart, your life to him, a perfect liberty will come to you, a freedom as the Holy Spirit moves in your heart that will transform you from the inside out. That's our vision, very simply. We want to bring liberty to this city. And this isn't something new or hip or radical in any way. In many ways, this has always been the mission of the church, this has always been what the church has been trying to do for the last 2,000 years is to bring liberty wherever it goes to bring the love of Christ into wherever it finds itself and when Paul says here that he he asks them to pray for him so he can declare the mystery of Christ he's saying exactly the same thing as we're saying That's, that's what we want to do in our city declare the mystery of Christ, to bring liberty to our city. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why God has sent you to this city to join in his great mission, his plan to let this wonderful good news spread out and affect everything it, it touches upon. So what is this? How do I... You might think, how do I declare a mystery? How does that work The mystery sounds mysterious. How do I I make sense of that? What's that about? Well, actually, it's quite simple. Because what Paul's doing, he's reflecting back on what he's already said earlier in this book. If you read back to the beginning of Colossians, he says this in verse 27 of chapter 1. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is, so he gives us to the answer of what this mystery is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery isn't something mysterious at all, but it's God's plan. God's plan that was once hidden from the Gentiles. By that, the writer means anyone that wasn't a Jew. This thing that was seemed exclusive and hidden away, this good news of God's love for humanity, actually now in Jesus Christ, has has been made public. It's been announced. It's this good news has sounded forth. This mystery is now made known to us that we can experience the love of God. We can have a relationship with the living God in Jesus Christ. We can enjoy the riches of his glory, of his inheritance. That Jesus has come to rescue Humanity to save us even from ourselves. And that's the mystery that's been made known to us now. He repeats it again in chapter 2 of Colossians. He says, To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. See, contained in this mystery which is Jesus Christ, is the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, his wonderful rescue plan that he's worked out for you. But also within that is all the knowledge and understanding you could ever need is found ultimately in Jesus Christ. All the answers that you need in this life, all the questions that you might have Maybe some of those, you would relate to some of those questions in that book. The questions you have about yourself, about the world around you, about Christianity, about your purpose, your destiny. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? What's this all about? Ultimately, all the answers your heart is searching for, all the answers that hearts across this city are searching for, they find their answer in, in Jesus That's ultimately the the knowledge that you need, the understanding that you need. We live in a world that's hungry for more knowledge, hungry for more education, more wisdom. But yet, ultimately, what we need to know is found in Him. That's the answer your heart is searching for. So, when we get to declare this mystery, we get to bring the answer to our city. The answer to the the aching, the desire of the human heart is found in Jesus Christ and his promise to lavish us with the riches of his glory, this wonderful inheritance of his love that we now have. And that's why we're here. It's our vision. It's to speak that wonderful good news, the liberty of Christ, into the hearts and lives of our city, so how do, we, how do we do that? And Paul gives us some tips here in the mission that he lived with to declare the mystery to, of the wonder of Jesus Christ to everyone he came across. He gives us some tips here. First of all, continue steadfastly in prayer. It says it much better in the Dutch translation, Blyf bidden. Yes. yes, keep praying. Continue steadfastly in prayer. And the Bible again and again encourages us to, to keep on praying, to continue with it, to be steadfast in it, to pray unceasingly. And the Bible says it again and again because the, Bi- the Bible is a book that knows what we're like. It's not just some out of touch sort of spiritual document, this is a real book that gets to grips with the reality of what we're like. And all of us, all of us struggle how to pray. It's, you might be sitting there at home thinking, I'm, I'm terrible at praying, and hearing all these stories from Gavin and Robin and from Joe, and you think, oh, I'd love to be able to pray like those people pray, but, you know, I'm not like them. I Prayer's hard. I, I can't do it. The reality is that we're all like that. We all find prayer hard work Sometimes. We all get easily distracted, we'll, we'll, we'll carve out some time to pray, and then after 30 seconds we're already scrolling on our phone, or our mind has wandered and we're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch that day. That's, that's what we're all like. But yet there's, there's something to, to, to find in prayer, which is really beautiful, and that will do you good. As, and as you continue in it, as you keep on praying... God will do good to you. His grace and mercy will flood over you. Keep keep on praying. And it says here that we should be watchful in it with thanksgiving. It's important to guard your heart when you pray. And the best way to do that is, is how I normally start every time of prayer with God. Whether it's, say, I've got a big chunk of time carved out, or I've got a you know, two-minute thing, or we're praying around the dinner table with our kids, or I'm out uh, you know, on the tram, and I suddenly want to pray for something, I'll start with just giving thanks to God. Because I'll often want to come in prayer, and I'll want to come, and often my motivation to pray is frustration, something, something that's just I'm annoyed about, something that is, is troubling me, something I'm worried about. And it's important to bring those things to God in prayer, But when you start with giving thanks, suddenly it just will change the perspective of your heart. When you remind yourself of who God is, and as we were singing earlier, when you remind yourself of just how great he is, of the wonder of his creation that we get to enjoy, the wonder of his love toward us, as you remind your heart of those things, it doesn't, not that it just sort of wipes away all your worries and concerns, but it reminds you that God's sovereign and He's faithful and He loves you. And He wants to hear all those concerns and worries and prayers and requests that you have, but He's powerful to move in your life, to change those things, to flood you with His goodness and His love. So keep on praying. And the second one is to keep on praying some more. (laughs) The second point I want to make today, how do we bring liberty to our city, is to keep praying and then keep on praying some more. And pray particularly into the mission that God's called us to. Pray for God to open doors in our city. There's a wonderful... um, If you've been around at Liberty for a while, you'll have heard me talk about this a few times before. But there's a wonderful little street, a tiny little alleyway in the heart of our city uh, called Chbed Zonder End, which means prayer without end. It's next to a what was once a church, which is now a nightclub called Tobacco, right in the heart of our city, in what was once upon a time would have been the Catholic heart of our city when, when the city was originally founded uh, five, six hundred years ago. I think a one third of all the property all the buildings in the city were monastic catholic property given to the worship and praise and service of god but right at the heart of this was a, a little prayer which i think in in a way it's a it's a prophetic statement of the mission that god has called the church not just us but all the churches that he sent to serve this city is to keep on praying and we join in a wonderful history of believers in Jesus through the centuries who've committed to that end, that we are going to keep on praying without end for God to bless our city, for God to pour out his love on our city. And people might want to say, no, Amsterdam, is a, it's a secular city now. We don't need God anymore. That, that's, that's ancient news. That's an old story. We've progressed beyond that now. We don't need faith or Jesus or religion, Christianity but we know the reality is, more than ever, we need Jesus. We need to know his love and his goodness. We see so much, there's so much about our city that we love and celebrate. There's also so much sadness and brokenness. Particularly at this season, we look around and we see so much fear, worry, and concern. So much that's troubling so many people, not just in our city, but all across the world. And now, more than ever, we need to pray for God to move in our city. And I think you might ask, what's what's God doing through this weird corona season? What's this all about? Why would God allow this to happen? Why would God allow this to go on? We might have so many questions that we just can't find the answer to. Why is this happening? And yet I think... Right now in our city, what God is doing is he's opening up people's hearts. He's, he's answering our prayer. He's answering the prayers of, of many loved saints through the ages who've prayed without end that God would open doors, and he's doing it. He's doing it, and let's keep praying. This week, as we've got our week of prayer, come and join us on zoom or, or pray where you are or as joe is encouraging us you know call up a friend and pray together over on the phone go for a walk in the park and pray together leave someone a voice message on whatsapp and just pray for them but let's pray that god moves in our city let's pray for a move of god that through this season god's spirit would move right across this city would flood the city with his love and grace and transform many many lives for his fame and his glory, let's keep on praying for God to move and open doors, literally and open doors into people's hearts that might they might know and experience the love of God. Next one, we see Paul here, and he prays that he wants to declare the mystery of Christ, a count on which he's in prison. Paul's found himself in his own personal lockdown locked away in prison because he just wouldn't stop telling people about Jesus and yet even though he's in prison even though he can't really do the thing that he's most passionate about he hasn't given up on his calling he's not forgotten what God's called him to do and he's praying desperately for opportunity to do it again to get out so he can declare this wonderful mystery this scrape Liberty, this great good news. And even though we're in lockdown, let's not forget what, not forget why you're here. There's no coincidence, there's no accident to what got, how God led you to live in this city. You might think, well, oh, I just, I came here to study. I came, my, my job relocated me here, or I was just born here. I've always lived here. God, put you here with a purpose to to serve us in this great mission he's called us to he's called you to be part of this church family so together we can declare this wonderful mystery to our city we can bring this good news to our city and there's a temptation at the moment to think well I'm just working from home and I'm not really seeing anyone I could do this I could do this from anywhere I could go and live back with my parents again and wouldn't have to worry about paying rent anymore. Or I could go to this place or that place. There's a temptation for us to forget what God's called us to. Why would I live in this expensive, busy city? What's the point right now? I don't get to see and enjoy any of it anyway. No, ignore that. Remember why God's called you here. I'd encourage you, no matter how long you're here, to live as though you're going to be here forever. Live like an Amsterdamer. Don't live like a tourist. Don't live like an expat, which expats tend to just live like long-term tourists. They take away from the city and don't give a lot back. Live like a local. Commit yourself to this place. Make friends with people in this city. Commit yourself to this city. Let's pour out our hearts to love and serve the places that God's called us to. When people join our church, you know, we're so grateful that God sent so many people and so many people from all over the world that God's gathered here in this church. But I often say to people, "We're we're not a church for expats. We're not an international church. We're a church that has many international people in it, but we're not an international church. We're here because God's called us here to love and serve this city. And increasingly we'll find God will call us to other places as well. We've got people coming in and joining us from lots of other places around this city and we love those places and we want to serve those places too. But we don't want to forget what God's called us to. To serve and love and see his gospel message transform our city. We're here for this city, for Amsterdam. So let's live like locals and love this place. Next, Paul, obviously, he says he wants to declare the mystery. Declare the mystery. And that might sound like a bit of a kind of cold way of saying things. Declaring things doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Sounds a bit grim, a bit grey. But actually what we get to do is... Well, let me tell you, uh, use an illustration to help us. The, the classical composer, uh, Bach, he, he believed that musicians could echo and sound the cosmic harmony of our divine musician, of God himself. With all these different compositions of music, he tried to create music that would point to that would show, that would help people to enjoy and see the beauty and wonder of God's love. That's what motivated him to create some of the most beautiful pieces of music that perhaps have ever been on this earth, is that pumping in his heart was he wanting to create music that pointed to the, the divine musician. And that's what we get to do. In declaring the mystery, we get to... We might not be musicians, but we get to display, to paint, to sound out, to tell a story, to show something of the wonder and beauty of God to our city, to paint a beautiful picture of liberty, of freedom to our, to our city. Because, to, to, as I said, to declare something can sound a bit... It can sound like we should stand on, on street corners and shout at people and wear big signs saying coronavirus is here because the world's about to end repent, we, we can feel that's what we should do but actually what God's called us to do is perhaps a bit more positive than that it's, and it's right and appropriate sometimes to warn people to warn people that they do need to repent and that is to turn around their lives and to worship the living God Jesus Christ but in many ways we get to do that by by telling a, a new story by creating, by singing. In Ephesians, it talks about the church being this beautiful masterpiece, this work of art that God has been, has been painting together. He's painted each of you into this story to display his goodness to our city. And we do that in in how we love our neighbors, in how we're faithful in in our workplace, how we work hard, how we study as students. How we create new things, new culture, how we influence politics and business with each of those activities, we're salt and light to the world around us. We get to display and create and declare the beauty of God. We get to give a voice to the voiceless, to speak out against injustice for those who've been marginalized, to be a voice for the unborn. We get to tell of the wonder, the beauty of God's love we get to tell of a better world of a better way of living a better way of life we get to speak into the confusion that's all around us particularly in our city the confusion of gender and sexuality and we get to not we we don't come to bring condemnation but to tell a better story of God's great plan of his way of doing things which isn't about restriction but it is about Uh, bringing us into a place of real freedom and liberty and joy in doing life God's way and finding the beauty that is in that. We get to declare this wonderful mystery as a beautiful story, a song of wonder we get to display to our city. That's what God's called you to do. Not just stand and heckle people, but to love people. And to in how you live your life and how we as a church family, how we love one another, how we care for one another, how we serve one another, we get to show the love of Christ to those around us. Finally, we, one challenge that will always be before us is to live with a sense of resilience. We were talking about that a little bit last week, that the endurance we need in life, we receive God's power to be able to do that. And we're going to need that in the city that God's called us to, to stay committed to His mission. Because often the temptation will be for us to retreat away, to just form a nice kind of Christian huddle on the outskirts of the city, lock ourselves away, and just the world's too scary a place. Let's just kind of hide away and all we'll be Christians together. Or the other temptation can be, well, let's just. Let's just try and create a Christianity which is palatable to our city. We'll just say lots of things, nice things, that that make make Jesus sound like a really friendly, nice guy and won't offend anyone. We'll just just be nice all the time and we'll just become this meaningless, we'll just become like the city around us. There'll be no distinctiveness to us. We don't want to do either of those things we want to love and serve our city and to tell them of the love of Christ and remain faithful to what we believe this book teaches. We need resilience to do that. That's not an easy thing to do sometimes. Sometimes living in our city can be an intimidating thing. But yeah, that's one of the things we get to do today is to pray. So often you see in the Bible when they come together to pray together, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and the result is Boldness. And that's what I want to pray for this week. Boldness for us as a church. Boldness for you to carry on with the mission that God's called us to, to love and serve our city. Because ultimately, we, we know the answer. We know the... We've, we've come to know this wonderful mystery, this wonderful good news of who Jesus is. I want those around me to know it as well. That's the, the pumping heartbeat of of this church is we we just want this city to know the love of Christ to let it transform them from the inside out. And perhaps the best way for us to do that is to start with enjoying him ourselves, enjoying his goodness, his liberty, his grace poured out on our lives. Let me pray and then Nina and the band are going to come and lead us in some songs of worship. Jesus, we thank you so much that you've called us here to this city. Um, we want to we live our lives as acts of worship and devotion to you. We want to live our lives committed to what you've called us to. And we know that's not always easy. Sometimes there'll be temptations to just abandon it altogether or just to water it down or to go and do something else. But we want to remain committed to what you've called us to, resilient to this wonderful good news you've given us. And we want to see, we thank you, God, that prayer works, that when we pray, things happen. As Robin was talking about earlier, we can pray for people and they can be dramatically, wonderfully healed. We can pray into situations and see breakthrough happen, sometimes immediately, sometimes over months and years. But we want to commit ourselves to love and serve and pray for our city again and again and again without end because we've come to know this wonderful mystery that you love us. You've poured out your love and all the riches of heaven we get to enjoy now as believers in you. And we want people that are watching this who don't know you, to know and enjoy and experience that as well, and everyone around us to discover this wonderful good news. I pray even right now, just as we sing together, you'd help us to worship you, to just enjoy this wonderful mystery that has been made known to our hearts. Amen.